Thought Bubble Audio. Look, up in the sky! You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Welcome to Beer with Geeks with Tim and Frank. Who are you? I'm Batman. I am Iron Man. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Hi, Christopher. I'm Nero. My name is Inigo Montoya. You're a wizard, Harry. A couple of guys with a couple of beers and a whole lot of pop culture nostalgia. Make it so, number one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Name the dog in the ant. Life finds a way. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Now sit back and crack open a cold one. Because it's time for Beer with Geeks. It comes in paints? Shaken, not stirred. Great Scott! I was way off. I knew it started with an S, though. Hi, and welcome to Beer with Geeks. This is the show where two geeks geek out with beer. My name is Frank, and Tim's not with us this week, but joining me in his place, in the very big shoes that there are to fill, uh, is my my good friend and my sister, Stephanie. Hello, I am back. Hi, hey, welcome back. Thank you. I always called him really my good glad. friend, and I was like, "Steph is my like my best friend, but but also my sister." So, um, well, you're welcome. But yeah. also, thank you for accepting the fact that I invited myself it, onto your podcast. That's that's technically true, but you have by an open threat of death by <laughs> by fiat. But you have an open and also standing quarantine boredom. That's right. You have an open standing invitation uh, to be on the show whenever you like. So uh, I'm glad that you took me up on it. Um, so. Listen, we're going to talk about something that we both have uh, a lot of passion for, something that we both love. But before we do that, I need to ask you, what are you drinking? I am drinking a 2019 Loves Me Not Rosé. Nice. And it is delicious. Nice. Love it. Rosé. Loves Me Not. Is that that a California rosé? Do we know where that's from? It is. California. There's a California champagne <laughs> by Paul Masson. If anyone has ever, has, if anyone's never seen <laughs> the um, Orson Welles Paul Masson ad, um, you owe it to yourself. Uh, Orson Welles, you know, actor, playwright, uh, uh, director Paul uh, uh, Orson Welles did an ad for cheap champagne in the 70s, 80s. And Probably late 70s, early 80s, he, yeah. based on the hairdos. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, fair. And he was, at this point, like, uh, you know, older and sort of disgraced. His his career had kind of not gone the way he had hoped. And um, he translated these... paunchy and drunk. Well, also, yeah, so he got, he was drunk and doing this ad for champagne. And the results are just hilarious. The outtakes are, are great. I'm actually going to put a link to the YouTube video in the show notes so people can watch it because it's just so funny and it's so it's it's sad but it's really funny to watch because he's i just... think about it every time i pour a glass of wine there you go so every single time there's a california champagne from paul masson um it's great i'm putting that in the uh putting that in the show notes right now so there's there's the link if anyone wants to check it out you can check out the show notes at beerwithfeeks.com by the way i don't i know that i don't say that very often it's also in most podcast apps but there you go. So the Paul Masson ad, that's great. So Love Me Not Rosé 2019. I am drinking a new beer. Uh, I'm trying it for the first time um, as we talk. And it is from Night Shift Brewing, and it is called Ransom Note. Um, it is a an imperial stout. And I guess it's their, it's their collab uh, with Cane 
Brewing Company. Um, and I don't think I've ever had anything by Cane Brewing Company before. I've had a lot of things by um, by Night Shift. They're one of my favorite breweries, period. And it's it's one of the most like sort of beloved breweries here in Massachusetts. But um, yeah, got got Ransom Note uh, Imperial Stout, and I, I love the can. Uh, I'm trying to show you stuff here. The, the can is like it's like a Ransom Note with like the letters all randomly cut That's out awesome. from uh, from you know different magazines and whatever. Um, it's yeah. a really cool design, but it's a really good stout. It's kind of like caramelly, cocoa-y. Um, I really like it. It's really it's really tasty. Ooh, that so, sounds like my type of beer. It's really good. Do you like stouts? Do you like like the heavier beers? I love I love mm -hmm. stouts. I just, it's funny because, like, every time I'm on the show, I never have a beer with me. I always have a wine you with me. always have wine. Yeah, well, yeah. I, but that, but that's I'm more... very much a geek who loves beer. I that's just true, don't never have any for some reason. Yeah, well, yeah, you don't keep a lot of beer around the house, but but you do like to keep, like, so. a bottle of wine around the house for, for these occasions. Yes. That's cool. So, um, we are, we, um, it's no secret that I absolutely love the Beatles. Um, I've talked about the Beatles a lot on this show. Um, whether or not that was a topic and Steph, you, you also, I mean, we grew up in the same house, so we have the same, the same, a similar love for the Beatles and we grew up watching the Beatles movies uh, a lot. And so, uh, you asked me if we could talk about a hard day's night, which is their first movie. And I was thrilled that you asked that because it's i mean i wouldn't have an excuse to talk about it otherwise if you if you weren't going to be on the show so because like tim tim has seen the beatles movies but i actually asked him if he wanted to join us for this and he was like eh, i haven't watched them since i was in like college you guys just go for it so um yeah do you i mean uh, silly question but do you remember the first time that you watched this movie <laughs> you were too I young can't. probably to remember it i can't and it's i i feel like i said this when we spoke about um the Wizard of Oz, yeah, a while back, but it was one of those movies where I can't tell you because it's right. was always on. Yeah, yeah. So I really don't know. I can tell you. I, I don't remember. I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I can tell you. I mean, it, you know, I was probably four or five, and so you were, you know, you were a baby. Um, yeah. But I, I, I know that the first um, way I saw it was on a VHS that our uncle had recorded off of off of cable. We didn't have cable in the house growing up, but our uncle did, and he. This was back in the time, and I don't know if you even remember this or know this, but Disney Channel used to be like a premium channel, like HBO, that you had to pay extra for. It wasn't included in your cable package, and they used to do these like free weekends or whatever, where it'd be like everyone got Disney Channel for a week to like as like a, a free trial for everybody. So, so you wouldn't just uh, click past it in the in the TV guide. And it would be like you know, add this channel to your plan. It would actually it. Magically, it would be on uh, for that weekend or whatever. It's like what Sirius XM does. Exactly. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that. And um, so our uncle had taped it off of one of those free trials of Disney Channel. That was on Disney Channel? It, they showed it on Disney Channel, believe it or not. How does yeah. that work? No, I mean, I guess they just bought, you know, they, they licensed the movie. They they bought it to, to play. Interesting. Um, I don't remember that. Um, yeah. So uh, they, they, they bought it. Actually, I'm thinking of something. I may use one of my, my, my one lookup while, while I'm talking here. It's but, United um, Artists, so I don't know. It is, I think. but now um, Miramax has the like the rights to it, and maybe Disney. Did they in the nineties? Whenever, or I don't I'm assuming know. it was the nineties when he recorded yeah, it. But it so. was United Artists picture to begin with. You're right. Um, but I, I love this movie because it's obviously because I love the Beatles and like that's the bias that I come to it with. But it really is a really funny comedy movie, and it's like an absurdist comedy film. 
it's got like the like some like Marx Brothers sort of humor to it. It's got some like almost like Buster Keaton, uh, like Keystone Cops type of humor to it. Um, and almost like a Monty Python kind of humor and a, to very it much a Monty Python. It's that that British humor. That yes, yes, and it's like we the, both enjoy a lot. We both, yeah, yeah, and, and it's that, yeah, exactly. It's that British humor, and the jokes fly at you so fast. It's uh, it's kind of like The Office, mockumentary mm-hmm. style. It is. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So it's it's the story of like the Beatles take a take a train up to London to to take it to do a, a live TV show. And it's just the story of like it's like a day in the life of the Beatles. They get on the train in the morning. They get up to London. They do the rehearsals for the live show and hijinks ensue. And it's like, well, will they or won't they make it to the final live show or not? And uh, spoiler alert, they do make it. But all these funny things happen along the way. And it's sort of, it was made in 1964, which is like the year that they got big in America and everything. So it was right at the beginning of Beatlemania. It was like perfectly timed. And honestly, this movie has no right to be as good as it is. Because at the time, like, you know, Elvis did movies and, and you know, Little Richard was in movies and, and lots of... What? Movie? He was in, yeah, the girl. Uh, uh, I think the girl can't help it. I think he's in that movie. Um, the, the, like musicians, rock stars. You know, for rock stars, had only existed for like ten years. But th- there was a there was a pattern of like, okay, you 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 get big, you have some hit records, and then you do a movie. We're gonna and, branch out to a new medium, right? And it's and even like Sinatra, right? Like he was a singer, and then he did movies. Like and and, and with him, he became a movie star. He as became well. a, like a legit movie he star. He wasn't a just a singer who did movies. Right. It was like Bing, both at the point. Bing Crosby too, right? Became mm-hmm. a legit movie star. But the expectation for like rock stars was like, or pop stars even was like, all right, we're gonna put you in a movie. The kids will go watch it. They'll go scream at the screen, and then in six months, when you're when you're over, like that's it. It doesn't have to be a good movie. You just have we to. We also be on don't screen. expect you guys to be good actors. <laughs> We, we don't expect you to be good actors. We don't even expect, we don't expect the movie to be good. It's just we're cranking out a, a, a cheap, crappy movie so that teenagers will go see it and we'll make money off of it, and then that's it. Then when and it's you, advertising for you guys. It's it. And and when your career is over in six months, then everyone forgets about this movie that it ever happened. But this is like a legitimately funny movie. This and Help are like legitimately funny movies. Um, I think it helps that they were not actors. I think so, too. And they've never done a movie before because they are legitimately funny people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. And it comes off natural. I was just watching um, the Beatles anthology, which is like the big documentary they did in the 90s um, that the Beatles themselves made. And um, it came up, you know, when they got to this part of the story, um, they uh, they talked about the um, the making of the movie. And, and I think Paul said that, like, they had the screenwriter follow them around for a couple of days to get an idea of like how they talk to each other and how they interacted. And, and he is the one that sort of cemented what we still to this day think of like, Oh, Paul's the cute one. And George is the quiet one. And John is like the witty one. And, and, you know, like those things kind of came from that screenwriter following them around, then writing the movie. And then everyone saw the movie and that's the archetypes of what each of them were came from that. And I love, I love that it, like they they used all the like slang of the day and all that kind of stuff. But, but it like the movie is really is it's still watched in like film schools and th- and stuff like as a as a good example of like a, a solid like comedy movie. To this very day, speaking of the slang, I still say grotty. Mm-hmm. Grotesque. Grotesque. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know, yeah. And that was like their slang, you know, gear and fab and all gear, that. Kind of... Gear is another great one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, karate. also, um, uh, Spice World, which I think is one of the greatest movies of all time. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I love the Spice Girls and might harbor a little bit of resentment towards my parents for not letting me have a Spice Girl doll in the 90s when everyone else had one. <laughs> but that's a, that, that's, this is the wrong call to discuss that on. That's I a story for another to, day. I have to call a therapist about that one. But um, Spice World is extremely heavily based on A Hard Day's Night. It's a mockumentary style. It's it's not even based on. It's like I think supposed to be like an homage. It's basically a remake, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it's not a secret. Like they just copied it. Like right, I think it's doing, yeah, purposely they're... done as like a nod to the Beatles and. Right. right. Yeah. Which is so. Which if is you've great. seen Spice World and you haven't seen this movie, then. And there Fills you go. in the blank. Right. <laughs> They're very similar. Clearly, somebody working on Spice Rebels was like, "What if we did it as like a like a an homage, like a like a you know sort of a parody of Hard Day's Night?" And I'm pretty sure that that is the reason that our dad likes Spice World so much. He does, doesn't he? He never. This man never watches even movies that he loves. Okay, he never watches like a movie more than once in his life. He doesn't or understand the he purpose. Does, they're like thirty years apart. You know, like he will not. He's like, I've already seen that one. And I'm like, didn't you like it? And he's like, yes. And he just doesn't rewatch. Why them. would you watch a movie again? I don't understand. But There's so many more movies to watch. Years ago, Spice World was on, was on Netflix and he discovered it and he just clicked on it and he watched it and he liked it. And then that, so that was once. And then two more times within like the same month, month and a half, I walked in on him watching that movie. He watched it three times in like a month and a half. That's that is the only time I've ever seen him do that. Bananas. I I don't know that he's ever seen any movie three times. I was bringing this up with him the other day, and he was like, "No." Yeah, of course. But he has to do this. He doesn't like remember or slash he denies it. Um, but it's but even if we know, it's I true. will remember that forever. So. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's funny though. Um, I I I love that. Um, I love that. I just love that he's that he's like into that. Do you have like certain? bits or scenes that stand out to you that are like you know it, like, like the most iconic moments of the movie that you remember the best i well there, there are definitely moments i'm going to start off with just anything that paul's grandfather in quotes very clean he's a very clean old man very um clean. i do i just love that character i feel like most of the times when i laugh during that movie it's usually lines delivered by him yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I do love that interaction that John has with that woman. <gasps> Let's that he talk runs about into that. In the hallway, which I don't even, to this day, kind of still don't really understand what's going on there. And I'm not sure if you're supposed to not understand it or if there's something that I'm missing. And that mystery makes it even better for me. And I kind of don't want to know the answer to it. So what's happening is that she's like, you look a lot like John Lennon. Is that what I, what is that I what she's saying? My interpretation is like, she's or saying like, just... you look just like him and him is supposed to be John Lennon. He's like, no, 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 no that's not me. And, and he's just like, it's like he's messing with her is, is like, that's why if it seems weird, it's because he's trying to mess with her, but she's being sincere. Right. But I, I never, as I'm getting older, I realize, oh, maybe what she's talking about, you look like him, like like John Lennon. Yeah, but that's, my, that's my like, interpretation. Before that, like I kind of thought that she was just, she thought that he looked like someone that she knew because based on the stuff that they were talking about later, she's like, oh, what have you heard? Like it's like they're talking like people who might know each other in real life. So yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I I think I think it's supposed to be I, my interpretation is that he's like, oh yeah, it's all over the place, uh, and it's like. It's like rumors are going around that she and John Lennon have been involved, and and he's like, 
but no, I stood up for you. I, I, you know, even when, when they, and she's like, <laughs> I, knew, oh, you I would. knew you would. And then she puts her glasses on and she's like, hmm, you don't look like him at all. <laughs> one of the best lines is the one he has right after that. And he goes, she looks more like him than I do. I know. It's so good. It's so weird. And that, and that line is definitely overdubbed because his mouth does not move. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's overdubbed. He's, it's overdubbed. He he's like walking away. At her. I know. I, I love that. But that's a little bit of the, like the absurdist um, humor that Richard Lester brings to it. I by feel the like way, that's the, the epitome of the weird, like the weirdest that this movie gets. Yes. Is this kind of stuff that you don't really know what's going on, but it's still funny. Oh, I mean, I think that there's weirder, there's weirder scenes even where that, like, but that's actually, one of the, that's one of the best. That's the best. That's the weirdest dialogue. Right. But there are weird things where like, there's a scene where John's in the bathtub and then, uh, uh, there, the, the manager pulls the plug on the tub. Is like, all right, come on, come on, John, we gotta go. Like, let's, let's go. And the tub drains and John's not there. And he's like, John, oh my God. And he like for a split second thinks that maybe John got sucked down the drain. Like every four year old is afraid it's going to happen to them. And then John just comes up behind him. He's like, come on, what are you waiting for? Let's go. Like, and just to mess with him, like uh, the whole Norm and John, uh, interaction, the entire movie, like calling him a swine and making jokes about him being a swine. The entire movie is so funny. I almost take back what I was saying about that conversation that conversation with John and that woman. Although that's hilarious. I just realized I think my absolute favorite bit in the movie is George talking about not knowing what the hell's going on. Oh, yes. So funny and hilarious. When George stumbles up, up, upon these people who I guess are, are like they do like teen talent, like, like a teen talent agency or something. Yeah, they're doing like marketing for like a fashion brand. Right. And they like have zeroed in on this random girl who I guess is like a model. And they've decided that she needs to be like the it girl for every like like almost like a Twiggy, I guess. I don't know if she's supposed to be like Twiggy. I think she's like the spokesperson for their brand. But what, what's their brand? Is it Whatever shirts? their brand is. It's a made up. Yeah, the brand that makes the shirts, whatever. Do, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I feel like they she, asked him about shirts or something at a point. Yeah, they I hand him these shirts, and they're like, "Oh, these are the new shirts that we're coming out with because they're like the new style." Right. Okay. And he well, hates them. Yeah, that scene actually, I think, might top the John. It's scene. really good. It's really it well is written. So weird. The the actor, the guy in that scene, brilliant, is hilarious. He is. He like. He like got <laughs> clearly got so into that role to be like that. That like marketing manager or like like yeah like marketing manager guy who's like oh listen of course these things are disgusting but like that's like that's i'm just here to sell disgusting shirts to little you know jerks like you like in, in a month you're going to be begging me for a shirt like this even he's like it's gross well, it's it's gross my very favorite thing is at the very tail end of that like if it wasn't weird enough they're like part of like a cult or something uh... or like the illuminati no, no, it's just, uh, I see what you're saying. No, they I think. They refer to some kind of like astrological chart. It's a, it, that's the thing though. It's that it's a calendar. He's an early clue to the new direction. Yes. And then he like looks and he's like, no, no, no. Like, that's the thing. His calendar looks like the scribblings of a madman, right? Because it's like, it does look like a cult. It's like, it's like, like, like that X's thing from It's Always and... Sunny with Charlie, you know, like. It's <laughs> like Charlie Day with, at the, yeah, with the yarn on the board. Like, um, but yeah, it's like that. It's this crazy like calendar. I love it. I love, I, I, I know what I, they're talking about. I think what they're talking about is that they know that like fashion is sort of like, like the 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 trends come and go, and they're like, no, 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 it it's not supposed to change for another three weeks. It's almost like they're the they're like the Illuminati of fashion, almost where they're like, no, 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 no. oh, could it be a clue to the new direction? Wait, let me look at the calendar. Oh, no, 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 it's good, it's good. We, like, it's not going to change for another three weeks. But still, let's not re renew Susan's contract and let's not do this. And let's do that. Susan, right? Susan, Susan. Um. 
Yeah, those people, I guess, have like the job that I've always said is my absolute dream job, which is working at like Vogue and being the person because like trends only happen because like the people at the top decide like, hey, lavender is going to be in this spring. Right. And like, that's basically what that is. Because we said it is. That's basically that's a joke about, about like, oh, the kids are going to want this in three weeks. It's so we authentic. have to get it's ready just, for it. Right, right. It's churned out like a machine. Sure, sure. It's sort of a, it's a social commentary on that, I guess. Um, but but oh, that, that, that man, whoever he is, is very funny. I think he's in the DVD bonus features. I think he was still alive when they shot the bonus features. I and feel he... like I remember a little interview with him talking about that. Yeah. He was, he was great. He, he, yeah, he was great. He was like very enthusiastic. He just really like just jumped into it. I it also love. Down, down on down on her and say rude things. Oh, that's the, that's my, my favorite line of that, of that dialogue. Oh, that's great. So good. Um, let's talk about, we talked about John, we talked about, uh, George Ringo gets a really good, um, bit to himself, right? When he, it goes off and does the like walk, walk about, um, all over London. And I, again, I watched the Beatles anthology recently and he told this story that the day that he shot the bit, like at the canal where he's like sitting by the canal and taking pictures and like his camera falls in the water and like the little kid, the like 10 year old kid with the comes tire with the tire and they, they, you know, become friends for a minute. Um, the day that he shot that, they didn't have a plan for where they were going to go allegedly for where they were going to shoot. And he was, he was hung over from a night before and he wasn't really feeling it. So he was like, just shoot me walking along this canal, whatever. Like, I don't really feel like, just if I'm going out for a walk, just like, let me just, so he was like, if I look dejected and depressed, it wasn't me acting. I just felt like crap. Uh, wow. Which I think is really funny that he was just like, I had a late night and I went like straight from the club to the, to the shoot. And I was just like, you know what? Just imagine I, being given a movie, like given a, given movie, a movie and being so like cavalier about it. But it was like the Beatles at the at their height, right? So like, of course he was like partying and stuff because like that's what they were. They oh were no, I know. The but height of being like, a rock you know what? I'm just gonna do whatever I want. Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. I know there's a lot of money and like a lot of stuff at stake here, but I'm just gonna do what I want. If <laughs> if you're shooting me going out for a walk anyway, I'm let's just do it here and just let me. I don't care. Um, but he got to do. He was. He was. He got like a lot of critical acclaim for his bit in that movie. Um, for that bit in particular, the the the, the this boy sequence. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Paul doesn't really get his own his own no, segment. But he doesn't get like a dedicated, I guess like well, if you think about it, he probably gets the biggest one. Because the whole thing he gets his own arc in the fact that they write in the character of his grandfather, which right. strings through the whole movie. That's so true. it's not a dedicated like sketch, I guess. Like a you know, yeah, there's not a scene um, that's like Paul's scene where he goes off and does something funny. It's like the background of the whole movie, so I guess that kind of counts. And, it's and true. It, it, if nothing else, I, I guess it's it's bigger than everyone else's. It's almost. true. It's the through line, right? If the whole movie is the grandfather being there and um, coming with them on this journey to London, and then and trying to steal their autographs so he can sell sell fake autographs um, to make money on the side, which is a, a hilarious premise. Um, but yeah, I think. Um, I, it, it is kind of funny and Paul I mean there's the whole thing with like his grandfather going to the casino that's great um, I love that scene that's I mean that's one of those things where it's just absurdist like his grandfather steals Ringo's invitation to this like exclusive casino club thing and he goes and 
that has some of the best like little tiny little absurdist moments where like he's losing at the game that he's playing and he runs out of money so what does he do he's wearing a tux so he just like throws a napkin over his arm and pretends to be a waiter and goes and gets a tip from somebody and then uses the tip money to bet again to keep playing almost it's almost as brilliant a play as uh andy and april and parks and rec i don't remember what the episode is darn but there's an episode where they are at the snake hole snake hole lounge and they are yes and they april... just started dating and he realized like i don't have any money to like treat my girlfriend to stuff and she's and so like, it's April, fine. April starts I'm, like getting people to buy her drinks and stuff, right? I can get you money and, and or like free stuff. And they they do all that. And she pretends to be a waitress and she gets. Sorry, I'm very deep in my Parks and Rec rewatch. So it's very fresh on my mind. So no, that's I keep great. Doing Parks that's great. I love it. Did you watch the uh, the reunion, by the way? Yeah, yeah. I watched it last okay. time. It was, it was amazing. Oh, so good. So good. Um, yeah. But oh, my gosh. Yeah. The, this movie is is, is it's so funny. Another one of the like little, not really absurdist, but just sort of like twisting your expectations when they all go out, uh, when they, the can't buy me love sequence, when they all go out and they run around, they're running around this field and they're just being like idiots. They're just being like children and they're playing like hopscotch and stuff. And I love the, this is a tiny thing, but it makes me laugh every time. There's a scene where you see each of them, like George and then John and then Paul, they're like jumping from a great height in slow motion. And then... It's George and then John and then, and then Paul and the last one is Ringo, but he just does like a tiny little jump off the ground, like an inch off the ground. And it's just meant to like, it makes me laugh every time because it's like, it's a little thing that Richard Lester, and by the way, Richard Lester, for for Beer with Geeks listeners, um, also the director of Superman 2, the theatrical cut, and Superman 3. Um, so he went on to, so like Richard Lester automatically is in like the history books as one of my favorite directors just by virtue of the fact that he directed all the Beatles movies and then directed two Superman movies. Um, so you are the kind of person who would probably know the answer to this. I read somewhere that the title track for the movie was written in a day and it yes. was finished like eight days before they started to film. Yeah, I think that's right. Have you, had you heard that? Yeah. Is that, um, do you think that's true? Or yeah, that... I think it's true. They, I think they actually wrote it. I can't remember. I think they were like in transit. Like they were, I think they were on vacation. I they think were they were like in the Bahamas or, they, or something. I, I don't remember the, where they were, but I know they were like traveling. And uh, at this time in 64, they were, I think that when they were about to shoot the movie, they hadn't yet come to America. So they shot the movie before they came to America. They were big stars, definitely in England and much of Europe, but they hadn't yet come to the States. And they came to the States, um, I, I think just after like having filmed this movie but before it was released so they were touring all over europe and and uh, the uk and either on vacation or um or like while they were traveling around touring they were like okay the the you know the studio wants us to write a song for this movie so let's let's bang it out and i think a hard day's night was a phrase that ringo had said um because ringo had this and i guess still to this day has this habit of saying things that don't make sense but sound really he's funny. The, he's the Yogi Berra of the beat. Yeah, Yogi Berra, Mark Twain like, like he makes up these funny sayings that uh, he doesn't realize are funny until you really parse them. It's like, wait, that actually makes no sense but it's really funny when you say, so a hard day's night was one of those things that Ringo, Ringo, it's like, oh man I was so tired. It was like a hard day's night. I don't know, like that's how it came out. Was eight days a week his work too? Because I don't know sounds- actually. I know that um, uh, eight. Uh, they were going to name 
they were going to name help eight arms to hold you and that came from a ringo saying and also uh he uh, like in like the early 2000s ringo had a song called tripping on my own tears that was one of his sayings like someone told him like hey that's really fun you should make that a song tripping on my own tears um back off boogaloo back off boogaloo yeah so so there you go so there's a few, yeah, back off boogaloo he wrote in a dream he woke up in the middle of the night that's and was like funny. wait i have this brilliant idea i have to get, grab a tape recorder so i can record this before i forget it um not quite as good as flaming pie not quite as good that was john though flaming pie but yes also <laughs> very good um but yeah so so hard day's night they had the phrase and they had chosen to name the movie after it but they just needed to write a song and so yeah maybe like a week before they started filming they John and Paul sat down and wrote the song and banged it out in like a, a twenty minutes or something, and uh, and they gave it to the producer and we're like, all right, here you go, here's our here's here's our song for the movie, and it was you know it was it, I mean it was one of the big hits. Fun fact: Hard Day's Night is the first Beatles album that had no covers on it. Really? All it was the first Beatles album to have all original songs. all originals. Yeah, interesting. Up to that up to that point, every every album had at least a couple covers, and I think one album after it even had a couple covers. But that was the first one that had no covers, just all original songs. Speaking of you know Ringo having a knack for coming up with these like terms and stuff, um, it kind of sucks that in different markets the you know the title of the film was completely different. Yeah, I actually don't know much about so, that. In Germany, where the Beatles were huge, so the movie was called Yeah, Yeah, Yeah in Germany. <laughs> Clearly they were just cashing in on like, yeah, yeah. what do people know about the Beatles? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Do that. In Italy, it was called, you know, All for One. <laughs> um, <laughs> My favorite is the French one. It was called it Four co- Boys in the Wind. <laughs> I was gonna say, is it called like Wee Wee Wee? Cat Garçon de la Vent. That's great. Finland was yeah yeah here we come. Wait, in England it was no England had to be called the hardest. Finland. Oh, Finland, Finland. Okay. And then in Brazil it was the kings of yeah yeah yeah. They really really (laughs) held tight to this yeah 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 thing. Well, she loves you was a big. She loves you was probably their biggest hit in the world up to that point. Which is why, if you notice, the German version. Well, yes, they, yes. So in Germany, they they recorded a German language version. Maybe you, people might not know this. Look it up. It's on uh, Spotify. You can listen or on YouTube, or wherever. But you can you can hear they recorded "She Loves You" and "I Want to Hold Your Hand" in English, but they also recorded them in German. Like the Beatles recorded those songs in the German language, and they are they really funny them, to like, listen to. They probably read the lyrics like. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. Yeah. (laughs) But yes, they, they lived in Germany for a couple of years. Um, in the late fifties, early sixties, they, when they left Liverpool and went straight to Germany because there was a need in Germany for like live musicians to play at all the clubs and stuff. So do they actually speak German then? Maybe they didn't have to. They do probably it, but... speak some German, yeah, because they lived there that. for a I while. I know they actually lived there. They lived there. They lived there. That's where oh. they met like Astrid and Klaus Vormann and those people. Didn't Astrid just die? Astrid, Astrid just passed away recently. Yeah. Yeah, Astrid is the was the inspiration for the Beatles' haircut, the the, the mop top haircut. She, she was she the one. She was the one. She like gave them that haircut because it was like a thing that was happening in like Germany was like much more artsy and like a little bit more like artistically progressive, progressive. than like the rest of Europe. And they were already doing this like you know 
you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna have like like the sort of mod thing. And the Beatles came at that time, and they were like, oh, that's cool. We want our hair like that. And the you might say Germany was an early clue to the new direction. You might say. You might say. So yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, so much fun. Yeah, this movie is Please so... Please watch the movie, people, because otherwise none of this is going to make sense. It's so it's such a fun movie. Like, I love it so much, and I enjoy it so much. Um, any other, like, like fast, fat, like, 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 lightning round things we need to mention? I mean, there's a lot, but um, Victor Spinetti, the guy who plays the director, is just, like, he's so eccentric and so funny. I love him so much. It's a plot. A plot, you see. I love his sweater. His love, yeah, his sweater, yeah. Where it's like, uh, uh, I bet he doesn't have a wife. Oh no, she probably knitted that sweater for him. Nah, if he has a sweater, he's not married. Um, I love that. I love Norman Shake. Like, stop being taller than me. I quote that very often. That's good. That's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. The tailor, like when 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 John comes in and he's like, I now declare this bridge open and cuts the tailor's measuring tape with a scissor. That was their actual tailor who made all the Beatles suits. That's incredible. In real life. How do I end up working for someone who like is going to end up in a movie and then I end up being there behind them? Just uh, 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 just back up a lot of SoundCloud rappers, maybe? My other dream job, besides being like the head person at Vogue who gets to decide like what's in, what's the just new because I said so, is um, I want to be the person who holds the umbrella over uh, celebrities when they're on the red carpet. That's good. That's a good one. But that's like my only job. I don't want to be their assistant or do any of the other stuff. I no, just you want just want to come out once a year. For, umbrella holding. Just for award season, once a year, for a couple months, and then you go back into hiding, go back into hibernation. That is not good job security, though. You have to wait for, wait for a rainy day. It's true. It's true. I know. I know. Maybe not the best decision for you, but if that's what you want, I support you to follow your dreams. My dreams. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I... I there is so much we could say about this movie and there's more I want to say, but I, I would love to keep this going and I would love to have you back and we talk about help another time. I was going to suggest that. I think yeah. that'd be great. Let's do that. Let's do that. I we can't should... decide. Those are my t- top two favorite Beatles movies. Um, they're almost tied, I yeah. think, for me. So I, I can't. I, for the longest time, I said help was my favorite, but it, it's a little hard to compete with The Hard Day's Night. So Yeah, I think I lean a little bit more towards help as well. But I just rewatched A Hard Day's Night today before we talked, and there there are so many. I'm telling you, if you like Monty Python, if you like The Goons, if you like British humor, and also if you like, I mean, like, at the end of the movie, there is a chase where, like, all the police are chasing the Beatles in and out of the police station, back and forth, back and forth. And it's very much like a Buster Keaton or a Keystone Cops or, like, one of those type of situations. Laurel and Hardy... People compared the Beatles to the Marx Brothers after this movie. I mean, there's some of that where each of them is like, oh, okay, they're each a different persona and they're funny and they're and there's four of them and there were four Marx Brothers. But like it's other than that, I don't know if it's really a Marx Brothers comparison, but like if you like that kind of sort of old timey humor, um, it still translates today. Some of the jokes are kind of English, like British jokes that you would need to know a little bit of an Anglophile and understand the culture. But it's still it still translates. A lot of it translates. Every time I watch it, I understand new jokes that I didn't understand when I was a kid or like things that I didn't understand because I didn't understand their accents all the way when I was a kid. It it's very multifaceted. It is very a lot of layers. It's a lot of there's a lot of layers. There's more to experience every time. It's a great comedy movie just in general. And the Beatles music is interwoven throughout it. Um so it's great stuff. Hi- highly recommend from both of us 
Um, but Steph, thank you for joining me for this because this was a lot of fun. And and yeah, we'll we'll, we'll do this again. We'll do help, um, and we'll 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 go through that movie because it's been a bit since I've seen that one too. So I'd like to sit down and rewatch that. What are your thoughts on doing the Ruddles? I, I we, we haven't do done Ruddles. that yet, right? Sorry. You you haven't done that yet. Haven't right? done the Ruddles yet. Um, I'll put a link in that to show notes show notes too. Um, the Ruddles was a parody done by the Monty Python guys and the Saturday Night Live people, um, and it is a parody of the Beatles. It is like a docu- fake doc- a mockumentary that parodies the Beatles. It talks about a fake band called the Ruddles who like weirdly had all the same history as the Beatles uh, and sort of the undertone is that like the Ruddles did it per- first and the Beatles were copying them is sort of the, the joke undertone of the whole thing. But it's, it's very funny. It's, it might be a little niche, but I think we might be able to do it. Um, so I'm going to put that in, in show notes and we'll see if people are interested in that, but we definitely need to do help. We definitely need to do like yell submarine and maybe magical mystery tour. I don't know how much you've seen that one. That's a, kind of a weird. So one. after I, I watched a hard day's night again, a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking like how much I love the Beatles movies, but I realized that Hard Day's Night. So for some reason, like so, all the Beatles movies are very strange. They're very weird. By design, but they're all but they're all weird in their own way. Right. So and they get progressively stranger. So by the time Magical Mystery Tour came out, it was just like a big mess. Basically, yes. it was like completely psychedelic nonsense. I remember watching it as a kid and being like disturbed in a way that even yellow submarine didn't disturb me even though that's a very strange movie that's like an acid trip of a movie but um i don't even know honestly if i've finished magical mystery tour if i did i really don't remember too much from it i can handpick a couple of scenes but i definitely need to rewatch it it's the one that i've watched the least it's definitely the one I've watched the least. And I think I'm old enough and I'm ready now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've definitely seen it more than you have, but I've seen it the least of all the films because when I was a kid, I found it boring. Uh, it, be- it is boring and it's just very weird. Because it's not really a movie with like a through line. It's more of like a series of vignettes with a very thin story tying them together. I don't remember the the story at all. Is there a plot line? Going the plot line is we all get even a Yellow Submarine has one, even though it's oh, very strange. Yellow but Submarine there is an ultimate goal at the end. Yellow Submarine definitely has a plot. The plot of Magical Mystery Tour is people get on a bus and weird things happen. That's it. But I remember how the Beatles tie into it. Like, are are they themselves? No, because they play themselves in every other movie. Right, but they're playing characters. And it's like Ringo and his aunt and these weird... I honestly it, remember nothing about It's that. a drug-fueled movie for sure, but it's funny It's funny and worth watching as like a historical document. Um, I guess um, Spielberg says that like he watched it in film school, so like... Really? Yeah. So it's I didn't like realize inf- it was like a case study for a film. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it was a TV movie, primarily. It was first released on the BBC. Um... So it was essentially a TV movie, but it was in a weird time for them where like their manager had just died from a drug overdose. So they were like trying to do things on their own. And the four Beatles directed it, quote unquote, directed it together. Wasn't that wasn't it not far from the time when they broke up? Two or three years. A couple years. It was like right after Sgt. Pepper, but before the White Album was right in that period. So like right right when the album started to take like a drug turn <laughs> yeah i mean right after Sergeant pepper yeah for sure for sure 
Um, yeah, definitely. It was it was like in 67, 60, I think 67. So like it was definitely summer of love, drug fueled. It was it came out on Boxing Day, December 26th, after the summer of love. So 67. Um, so definitely at the height of all that stuff. Uh, and they were definitely on drugs when they made it. You can tell when you watch it. Anyway, we'll cover that in a future Beaver Geeks episode. We'll talk about help another time. We'll talk about magical mystery. We'll talk about uh, Yellow Submarine. Maybe Let It Be. Um, have you seen Let It Be, the movie? I have, but again, it's one that I haven't watched a lot. Yeah, that one's just, I mean, it's, it's that straight one's up. basically straight up an actual documentary. Documentary, yeah. They Which had I to, love. I they love had to finish out their contract with United Artists. They had, they had to make one more movie, so they were like, let's just film us making an album. Um, anyway, we'll talk about more, more Beatles stuff later on. But thank you so much for joining me. This has been a lot of fun. I always love having you on the show. Thank you for, for suggesting we do this because this is great. So thank you. I had fun. Thanks. I'm glad you did. So until next time. Cheers. cheers. <laughs>